Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It's the final day, the final night of the Billie Jean King Cup finals by Gainbridge with Matt in Seville, and he's going to be flying back home tomorrow. It's the first day of the ATP finals in Turin. Catherine's there. We're going to be talking about that later. Catherine, day one, how was it? Well, it's actually already day two, which probably (laughs) tells you how day one was. Um, I mean, of course it was long. Djokovic and Runa were playing... Last on, starting at 9pm, and it was a marathon. Uh, but overall, it was very good. Very good. high good. level of tennis played, which is all you Marvelous. can ask for, other than a slightly earlier finish. But, you know, tennis be tennising. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, as you can tell, I'm presenting this one, uh, which uh, goodness knows how that's going to go. So all I'll just do, I think, is look at Matt Roberts and ask for answers for most of it. Um, Matt, your final day in Seville, are you going to miss it? I am, you know, I've had a I've had a very good time. I should say I've 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 been out for dinner and dinner involved several beers. So I don't know if I'm quite at my at my sharpest, but I but I hope to be able to offer some analysis of of what went down today in the final of the Billie Jean King Cup. Matt, are we talking Excellent. bottles or pints? Pints. Oh my oh. word! Okay. Mm. Mm. I mean, when I call myself two beers law, I'm talking about bottles, which are basically half pints. <laughs> so. What Matt Roberts we're going to get tonight? Who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. What he lacks in sharpness, he'll make up for Every, in entertainment. Everyone at dinner was astonished that I was going back to the hotel to record a podcast. <laughs> what were you doing at dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Just dancing. Drinking on the by the sounds of it. Uh, okay. Well, we, listen. We got loads of, loads to talk about because Catherine's referenced that Runa Djokovic match. We'll talk about that. There was Sitsipas against Sinner earlier on as well uh, on day one of the ATP Finals. We've also got a conversation between Matt and Billie Jean King 
to listen to a little bit later. And believe me, it is a conversation you will want to listen to. It is moving. It is important. And yeah, just stay tuned is all I'll say and uh, and listen to that with us. But first, we'll we'll start with what went on on the court because that was significant today. Canada have won the Billie Jean King Cup, the World Championships of Tennis, as Billie Jean is always telling us it is. Um, and they won it for the first time in their history. And they won it in style. And they won it by absolutely making a mockery of everything I was saying about <laughs> Jeannie Bouchard yesterday, Matt Roberts, because uh, uh, she wasn't required, it turns out. <laughs> Tell us about the first rubber of the day. Yeah, that was won by Marina Stakusic, who, gosh, I mean, seven days ago, I had not heard of Marina Stakusic. And now she has been an absolutely integral part of Canada winning this Billie Jean King Cup. I mean, she was brilliant today, absolutely brilliant against Martina Trevisan. You know, it was the certainly the Italian player we were expecting. I think I still felt like they would go with Stakusic, even even as much as I enjoyed our our conversation last night, imagining that they that they might throw a curveball in there, but it was Stakusic. And you know, from the very first point the very first stages of that match, it was kind of obvious that Trevisan had a bit of a problem there because Stakusic was really liking the ball that she was getting. You know, she was just sort of able to tee off on it. I think, you know, Trevisan hits with quite a lot of spin and Stakusic is quite tall and has these long, fluid ground strokes and the Trevisan shots were just going straight into the hitting zone and... Stakusic was absolutely brilliant. I think what what struck me the most about her was her demeanour and just generally how sort of unflappable and unconcerned she seemed by the whole situation. I I sort of felt like someone needed to go up and shake her and say, "Do you realise this is this is the final of of the Billie Jean King Cup? You know, you've you've never played anything like." this level of tournament before how how are you doing this you're not supposed to be doing this and yet you know th- thankfully there was no one who was sort of doing that to her um and she just sort of kept it going and was absolutely brilliant it was a really you know really close match i don't think trevi san had anywhere near her best tennis she spoke afterwards about the sort of cumulative fatigue that she was feeling based sort of after the week, sort of physical and emotional. And look, she wasn't quite at her best, but I don't want to take anything away from Stakusic because I thought she was absolutely remarkable in this match, hitting hitting big, staying composed, and was a very, very worthy winner. And remarkable all the more, Catherine, because of what happened only yesterday that got us talking about whether or me talking about specifically whether she should even be picked for this time I mean, she got beaten 6-2-6-1 by Barbara Krachikova just a total humbling not a surprising one I mean this is a world-class player against a pretty much a novice who's playing at a level that she's not used to but she'd been brilliant in the previous matches and suddenly she runs into Krachikova and 
it seems like they didn't even have a flicker of doubt that she could kind of rebound from that. That, more than just winning a tennis match against a high-ranked player, that is a massive achievement. Yeah, I mean, and look, David, I don't know why I'm salvaging you from under the bus here or perhaps lying down there with you, but 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 we were in you with you in that <laughs> portion of the conversation about... Uh, I mean, we didn't just suggest one replacement for Marina Stokusic, did we? We... <laughs> We proposed Looking to for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Anybody any is Matt available to play in, in lieu of <laughs> Marina Stakusic? Um and yeah, she gave us a fantastic opportunity to use one of our favourite gifts, uh, our favourite memes today, and I took that personally. Um and maybe she did have a bit of a point to prove. I don't know. Maybe she's just a way better tennis player than we realized or perhaps that's not even the right way to put it because we didn't realize she existed a week ago that's i know you can get some more obscure players doing you know like women that can lift cars to save their save their babies you know i think you know what i'm saying it's late folks you do get you do get obscure players pulling off heroics well beyond what they would ever achieve on tour or what their ranking would ever suggest they're capable of in these team competitions, you do. But it's pretty rare that someone doing it is 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 genuinely unheard of to any of us, including Matt Roberts. And I'm, I'm sh- sure there are people out there that were aware of her. Of course there are. Shocker, there are biggest tennis, bigger tennis nerds in the world than us. But Honestly, for Matt not to have heard of her is pretty seismic. Really, I don't. I don't think I've ever known somebody of of that status pulling off a result of this stature. It's 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 absolutely incredible. She, she'll be she'll be on your list next year, Matt. For people that that you just note down. She was the one I saw in the Billie Jean King Cup. And let's let's see week to week if, if she's got something else to put out there. Well, that's it. It it does it does make it fascinating next year, doesn't it? Because, you know, she's she's obviously still got to sort of build her ranking up, you know, because just because she's won all these matches at the Billie Jean King Cup, it, it doesn't actually do anything for her sort of week to week status on the tour you know she's still got to to get to the level where she's able to play these these sorts of players i mean she'd never had a top 100 win in her career before and she had 3 this week um she was she was out at the start of this season she barely played until about july this year with an injury but since then i think she's now won 22 of her last 24 matches so she really is in in some quite brilliant form. And yeah, I think it is a very intriguing question now for 2024. Can she can she carry this through? Because, you know, this competition has sometimes been a launch pad for players and, and, and Davis Cup as well. But but at the same time it is different, you know, when you're out there on the tour on your own compared to with your teammates and playing for your country. It, it is just a different vibe. So whether she can transfer it remains to be seen, but she's very young and she's already shown that she can sort of handle 
handle the big stage and that's that's an inc- you know i don't think you can i think you can really learn that i think you've either sort of got that or you haven't so that's that's an incredible feather in her cap already and yeah i'm very interested to see what what 2024 brings for marina stakusic a new name but one to look out for so that was an upset that put canada 1-0 ahead in the final and it was then on Italy to try to respond. Out came Jasmine Paolini, determined to, well, continue what she's been putting up all week long. Problem was, she was facing Leila Fernandez, And Fernandez beat her in straight sets. I mean, the second set was pretty good, pretty close, um, competitive. Paolini was throwing everything she got. But there were, there were several moments in the match when Paolini was stepping on it and looked to be in charge of rallies only for Fernandez to just retaliate in in US Open 2021 style, hit a, a running forehand winner down the line that just... I remember at one point, Andrea Levachkova was was in the commentary and she just went, how? <laughs> what? You know, it was just... It c- couldn't, couldn't believe it. The perfect sort of commentary in the moment to just sum up some of the shots she was just sort of pulling rabbits out of hats, you know? And, and I mean... That is one of the great performances in a team competition for a week to win the competition. You know, you think of some of the players in Davis Cup. I think of Ivan Lubicic winning the winning the Davis Cup almost single handedly for Croatia all those years ago, and Andy Murray in 2015. But this is a a woman, Matt. She has put that competition on her back this week, and she's just carried. Canada along. I mean, look, three points also for Stakusic, and I think it's easy to forget that, but Fernandez was the the heartbeat of, of, of that team this week, wasn't she? And I mean, what what was it like to, to witness that from inside the stadium? It was very special because, you know, in in some ways, I think we all sort of feel the same thing about that 2021 US Open. It was It was so magical in so many ways but obviously we were we were at home weren't we you know we weren't we weren't able to go to New York that year and and there is sort of a part of me that sort of slightly feels like I missed out on the 2021 US Open and seeing sort of peak Leila Fernandez and peak Emma Raducanu um but I think I think I sort of made up for it a little bit this week with the performances of Leila Fernandez that I got to see, and I'm um, I'm so pleased that you picked up on that on that thing, David, about the way she would re- kind of retaliate in some rallies because that was that was something that I really noticed. There was there was a real sense that she was imposing her game a lot of the time this week, but also I think today against Paolini she was countering and turning the tables on Paolini I just thought was so impressive with her sort of down the line shots and yeah I I was blown away by Leila Fernandez all week five wins out of five uh the absolute heartbeat of this of this Canadian team and they, and look they don't win the Billie Jean King Cup without Leila Fernandez because the way she turned it around against Czechia in particular was remarkable and to come out again today we we speculated that there might be a bit of fatigue after that but there didn't there didn't seem to be any at all she was on it right from the first ball and yeah it, it it's actually a continuation of the sort of form 
She's been showing on the tour in the last month. You know, her form has got a lot better, um, which has been great to see. And again, kind of like Stokusic, it makes Fernandez such a fascinating player to watch next year because if she can bring this level week in, week out to the tour and to the slams, well, then we've got another player entering into the conversation at the very top of the sport. And already we've got a great mix of players there. But add Leila Fernandez in and it gets even more exciting and even more thrilling. So, yeah, huge props to her. I thought it was pretty extraordinary what she did this week. Yeah, it really was. Um, Catherine, we, we often talk about this time of the year and whether we think it's relevant for oh, the new year. no. Not this <laughs> question to me. Matt's had three pints. Give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll pivot. If this is what does it mean, uh, isn't it? This is what does it mean. I, well, can I present? I take, well, and I decide I, I, who I, gets the what does it I'm mean. I'm happy to pivot back to Matt for that one. And instead, for you, I'm going to go with what was going to be my question until I thought of that one and now you've rejected it. What I was <laughs> thinking of was... You always strike me as a sort of Bianca Andrescu kind of gal. Oh, I've been thinking about um, Bianca Andrescu today. Must be hard. But is Leila Fernandez now your favourite player? Um, look, I'm not going to kick Bianca Andrescu while she's down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it must be tough for her to to not be a part of that. Really, really tough. Um, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I did, I did spare a thought for her today. Um, she's obviously injured and, and not able to play, uh, so I'm, I'm not going to just supplant her. But look, I'm not making any secret of the fact that I'm massive Leila Fernandez fan, um, and I will go out of my way to watch her. And I feel the same way as Matt. Like, uh, didn't get to experience that 2020, 2021 US Open uh, live, didn't didn't go to Indian Wells that year, did see her play at the French Open last year before she sustained that injury. But generally speaking, I don't really feel like I've experienced the Leila Fernandez show. Um, and I need to, I as a... Matter of priority for 2024, I need that show. And I'll let Matt do the heavy lifting with the what does it mean answer. But we're talking about a Grand Slam finalist here and a former junior number one. This isn't a flash in the pan. This isn't a one-off. This isn't a Billie Jean King Cup only run of form. I, I do believe she's going to be a factor in 2024, I think she's going to have a completely different season to to what she's had since that US Open final run. Well, okay, so you are doing the what does it mean? It vague. <laughs> great. Being a factor is very tennis podcast vague language. But let's go to three Same points, me. Matt. <laughs> yeah, come on, Matt. Let's get punchy. What's she going to do? She is going to reach. Oh. At least the semi-final of a slam, you know, I'm, like I'm with you there. Oh, hello. Like be like be really relevant at at least one of the slams, um, and I think that's a great point about the fact that, you know, yes, this is happening at this time of year, but this is a player who has 
who has done stuff, you know, reached the US Open final, not at this time of year, you know, and I think I think there's a direct comparison with Felix Auger-Aliassime, you know, who, who sort of propelled Canada to the to the Davis Cup last year. But that kind of was the the sort of peak run of his career. This this isn't actually the peak run of Leila Fernandez's career. She's she's already sort of had a had a better one than this, which was what she did at that 2021 US Open in terms of, okay, she didn't end up walking away with the title like she has here, but the sort of caliber of player that she was consistently beating was was higher than she has beaten this week. So that gives me faith that this isn't just a, just a one-off. Um, and I think a, a fit and healthy Leila Fernandez buoyed by leading Canada to the Canada to the Billy Jean King Cup. She just, you know, she just has to be having big results next year. She's she's that good. And I, I really, really hope so. Because um yeah, tennis is tennis is better. It's a it's a more fun place when when Leila Fernandez is is playing like she was this week. Well it's a lovely thought. I really I, I really hope that you're right because I couldn't agree more with that assessment of of just the, the the way she makes people watching feel. She makes you feel alive, and um, and and she also I always feel she strikes the right notes at the end of matches. When you when you hear her talk, she she said immediately, uh, you know, I'm just so happy to have done this for Canada in front of you, Billie Jean. And do, do you remember the speech that, that she was gave great, wasn't um, it? in the U.S. Open uh, of the U.S. Open final in 2021? That I, I, you've just reminded me of that. Actually, I think I and and others probably forget that it was astonishingly perfect and poised um, for, yeah. for 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 someone of any age, let alone of was she was she nineteen at the time? Um, yeah, and after such big moments of emotion mm, and absolutely. importance in 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 her career and in tennis terms, to to suddenly realise there's something bigger at play that she could reference and 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 it'd be so easy to not really be able to strike the right note on some of those subjects and she just couldn't have got it more right um and uh, upon lifting the trophy they were all presented with the now uh trademark blue jacket mat and we saw these wonderful scenes of photos taken with Billie Jean King and the entire Canada team in these blue jackets. Just remind us what those are, what they signify. Yes, they are the uh, Billy Blue Jackets and uh, they were first worn last year by by the Swiss team that they were the first ones to wear them and now the Canadian team. And yeah, it's it's just a it's just a sort of tradition that that has been started, you know, I think sort of perhaps slightly based on the green jacket at the Masters. And I think in particular in the last couple of years, you know, I think it's been notable that the Billie Jean King Cup has had equal prize money to the Davis Cup, you know, due to due to the investment from Gamebridge. So, you know, I think that's that's a very big deal. And those sort of blue jackets are sort of all just sort of symbolic of that, and um, I did notice, by the way, that they that they came to their press conference, the Canadian team still wearing those blue jackets, but they had all changed into world champions t-shirts, ready-made t-shirts, 
Um, so we can we can add these to the collection of of yeah pre-made merch for the players to be wearing that uh, may or may not have been have been assigned to the bin depending on the outcome. Someone's actually knocking on my hotel door, which is slightly concerning considering it's two minutes past one in the morning. <laughs> you gonna answer it? Okay. Definitely answer okay. it. Okay. Did you ask anybody to come to your door, like room service, or is this just an unannounced visit? I didn't. I will put the mic down <laughs> for a sec and uh, go and answer the door. Carry on amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. Well, on that cliffhanger, three um, years, yes, I can just remind you that... Uh, the... <laughs> How did Matt get even the other better? Version... Well, thankfully, the other version is still really good. It's not like when I have beers and I do get better uh, because the original's not that good. Um, but the um, the, sure the jackets were made by Tory Birch, uh, the You're reading that, d- designer. Aren't you, David? You do. <laughs> Catherine, no, I, I'm remembering the name. Yes, designer <laughs> and, really... and brand. Yeah. Oh, I've got a okay, really nice uh, Tory Birch bag that I got second hand, and I, I love it. It's great. How and I love the jackets. It's a really nice touch. Matt's well, lollop. Matt Roberts is returning. So quick as you um, like, Matt. We we, we, we can get an update can. on who was at the door. It was a member of staff telling me that at six six o'clock in the morning, I can I can check out on the app. <laughs> <laughs> at one o three a.m. At one o three a.m. What on earth? Has the member sure? staff had three beers? Or, I mean... Are you sure that's not some sort of stalker with a ruse? <laughs> anyway, what, let's let's continue the pod. What, what a afterwards. bizarre moment! I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. They also sent me a text that. with that information today. Like they really want me to leave this hotel. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> need you out by six. <laughs> Okay, well, congratulations, Canada, uh, for winning the Billie Jean King Cup, um, which uh, which was a great scene, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to follow the progress of their two singles players over the next uh, few months. Now, we mentioned Billie Jean King, of whom after the event is named, of course, and Matt got to speak to her this weekend, and it was a wide ranging conversation. It's it's an incredible conversation. Here they are. Well, I'm thrilled to say that for the third year in a row, I'm joined by Billie Jean King at the Billie Jean King Cup Finals. And my first question, Billie Jean, is have you got used to your name being on the competition yet? A few years ago, you you said you were still calling it Fed Cup. Are you, are you calling it Billie Jean King Cup now? I do say it when it's vocal, but internally I still say Fed Cup for Federation Cup because I played in the very first Federation Cup in 1963 and it's our 60th anniversary. No, I, I still, I will never get used to it. And how's your week been here in Seville? I would, you know, personally speaking, I feel like the show and the production of this tournament has got better year on year. Are you, are you sort of feeling that as well? Well, we just started a joint venture with, the Federation Cup, and that's Mark Walters, the reason. And it's a long-term investment. It's not like a quick get in, get your investment back and out. We're not think, we don't think like that at all. So we just announced that in August. So we're just learning what is. Um, 
in many ways um, and try to make this a much better competition over time. It's going to take time. Uh, things have changed over the years. In some ways, they've gone backwards, actually, since I was playing. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but we really want to make it better in every department. I mean, for instance, Great Britain's playing to qualify in April. So the television, everybody's following that if you're British, and why not? But we have a final this weekend, and so we can't have that, for instance. That's just one small part. I want to make sure, I think uh, here in Seville, it's much better for the players. They, we, we ask, I go to every team, and then we always ask for the captains and also the, each player and even the support teams. Do you have anything you want to tell us? How can we get better? Because this is going to be a long, long-term investment as far as money and as far as how we make this event better for the public and the players. So, and the people who run it, but mostly are the players happy? They're very much happier with this than I guess particularly last week, but I want to stay positive because I think uh, I really sh appreciate the players who came from Cancun here. Uh, they didn't have to, and they did, and that's really putting your country and the other teammates first and your captains, if you like your captains, hopefully they do. Uh, and that, that shows me a lot about their character uh, showing up. I think that's a really important message about giving the event time. And I think, you know, those of us who have been to the to the few events can see these improvements every every year, year on year. And I'm interested what you said about how you think certain things have gone backwards since since you were playing. What would what would those be? What come to mind for you? I think everybody understood in the early days who we were, what we were doing, that it was a big deal. Uh, I think all of us in tennis need to get together, think about the sport first, and we need to make a really solid calendar so it works for everyone. And everybody wants more days, wants more of this, but we need to really figure out what's best for the sport, not just our own event. Um, but this event, um, it is the World Cup of tennis. It's also connected to the Olympics. And whether people like it or not, Everyone in the world just about understands the Olympics if they don't understand the sport. And they understand what it means to get a gold medal or a sil silver medal or a bronze. And I don't think tennis people quite under understand that how important the Olympics are yet. We always get into our majors, which are huge. I love them. I played them. I mean, I won them. I get it, okay? But we have to think about 10-year-olds, 7-year-olds, 12-year-olds, we talked to the 16-year-olds here that are in the uh, Junior Davis Cup. Oh, not actually, they weren't here, but the girls were here, the Junior uh, Billie Jean King Cup. I have talked to both virtually, and I think they're hugely important. But what is their age group attracted to? How long can they concentrate? What's fun for them? We have to think about the, our audiences first, really, and the people, and our sponsors are really important. Streaming is getting more important, not just free TV. Uh, we have to analyze what is and get ahead of the curve and not be, be behind it. But we got a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, it's pretty exciting, though, because I think when people understand, every time we talk to a group, I say, do you understand this is connected to the Olympics? And they go, really? Hmm. So we need to have clarity of the event, what it means. And we had 100 and, uh 
34 countries compete this year. We want more, obviously. And then you've got the Davis Cup. Personally, I'd like the Davis Cup and the Billie Jean King Cup be together. I always want men and women together. My whole life has been trying to keep us together, be together. You know, then you have the men, like at the majors, they play three out of five sets. Well, I think we should play three out, the women should play three out of five sets, or everyone should play two out of three. But with, if they play three out of five sets, the men, that means they have more content. And media rights are where all the money is. And women have always had about 4%. We got to 5%. And then the Wasserman Agency the other day announced we're at 15%. But that shows you we're almost at a tipping point because people are definitely uh, investing in women's sports now. Investing. They think it's an investment, not we're helping you out, which we've had our whole lives. You know, this is, we're trying, we like you, we'll help you. That's not... Now it's an investment. They're going to get their money back. They're going to make money. And I think um, that is a huge change. And because of my age, I'll be 80 this year, I have perspective because of it. And knowing where we started in the 60s, actually 59, I played the U.S. Open, which was called the U.S. Nationals, uh, had match point and lost to Justina Brickett. I can remember that so clearly. <laughs> She hit, she's left-handed, she hit, the, she hit the chalk. The chalk flies, the ball rolls. I couldn't have hit it if I, I couldn't hit it if I wanted to. So it was pretty funny. And uh, so we, we just have to be patient, but we have to fix our sport to make it great for the audience. I try to keep telling players, I go, you guys, the audience is not here for us. We are here for the audience. I don't understand why they can't understand that. So our job is to make it fun and interesting or whatever the person's looking for. That They go away you know, at night, they go, God, that was great. I want to take up the sport. I want to do this. I want to go back again. And it's really important that every tournament, I don't care if it's a, that's another thing we need to analyze, the 250s, the 500s. We know the thousands are a big deal now, but they want more days, and then that takes more calendar days. And it's only 365 days a year. So we have to deal with that. So it's, um, I think it's a very exciting time in our sport. Our sport is the healthiest sport in the world. Uh, Mayo Clinic and others have done a ton of research now. And tennis, tennis is the healthiest sport in the world. You live almost 10 years longer on average if you play tennis. That's a pretty good gift to give to somebody at any age because it is a sport of a lifetime. Um, I've started hitting again. I started hitting. Lana, my wife, got me to hit during COVID. She was number one in the world in doubles. She runs the company with others, Marge. We've got a ton of people. And we don't have a ton of people. We have a few people. We're small, but very <laughs> entrepreneurial and very nimble. Um, do a good job. So, uh, I mean, every sponsor here, for instance, at the Billie Jean King Cup, our company brought. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, but... I don't know. There's so many great things about our sport. I don't think people think about it. But we got to get it right. We got to get the weeks right. We got to care about our sport first, not just our own events and make it right. But we can't have qualifying being played on the final weekend. Getting back to the original thing I talked to you about, Matt, is we cannot have qualifying on the weekend of the finals. That's like having the WTA finals or the ATP finals and have tournaments against them, like 20 tournaments or something. It's like, it's just ludicrous. So these are things we have to fix. It's going to take time. 
and everybody matters. I mean, uh, I mean, look what the ITF does as far as grassroots tennis with every federation. You've got to get money back to every country. You know, I know David's talked about having it every two years. Well, that's great, but then we've got how are we going to pay the countries every year? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that you don't that I don't realize, and we all don't realize that. They'll say, what about this? And I say, oh, I didn't even know about that. Mm -hmm. So, but we've got to make it better for everyone. We've got to make it better for the media, the workers. I know we need, to, I mean, I went and asked the press about the food, and they go, oh, no, it's fine. And I went, it's not fine. <laughs> I, I knew with the nonverbal communication, their body language. So I, of course, went into it much deeper with others. And they don't have buffet here. And I'm like, what? There's a media. They need things fast. They, they got to be able to serve themselves. So that, that'll be fixed with the next event, for sure. I mean, things like that. But I want people to tell us. But I don't want them to keep harping on it either. Here's what I used to tell players when I founded the WTA, and they would always complain. Okay, you, I want you to come to me with your complaints. But when you come, I want you to come with a solution. Otherwise, don't talk to me. Go think about it. Go think about what is the solution then come in and we'll talk for hours or whatever. And it's amazing. They started laughing. The players were great. They started laughing. Said, that's fair enough. So that's what, you, that's what happened. And it got much better. We didn't waste time. Well, podcast listeners will know that, uh, that I've been one of those media members uh, less keen on the food yeah. this week. But, you know, just hearing you talk about the whole business of tennis is yeah. always is always so interesting and i just i just want to bring up the topic of saudi arabia because okay. that, you know that is that is coming at this sport in a way that it's coming at you know golf and boxing and f1 it's you know the next gen finals are going to be it's part of the culture and and you have said, I, I read an interview that you gave to Simon Briggs in The Telegraph. You said, I think we should be engaging with them. I find engagement usually helps change better than knowing engagement. If the whole world's going to go there anyway, should we be a part of that or shouldn't we? And I, I think that's, that's really interesting. That is, you know, that's not necessarily the first thought that I would have had that I, mean, I think David and Catherine. But what do you guys think? I actually heard you, but what did you think? Go ahead. You know... You think we shouldn't go there, right? That is my opinion, yeah. Um, I think we can look at, you know, women's tennis has been in Qatar for, for quite a while now. We went there in 08. I was there. Uh, Venus Williams won the first one, I think, and mm. talked to the Sheik. Uh, I think she was the second... God, I'm not sure if I have this right. That's the second wife. They can have four the men and... Um, she wanted to make Qatar um, the cult cultural center of the Middle East. That was her goal, and she seemed to have a lot of influence. Uh, but we've stayed there. It seems like we've gone there every year, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Why did we go there in the first place? So I don't know. Larry Scott probably did it, which I thought was pretty neat, actually, to be the first women professional athletes there. If we were, we probably were. We were the first ones in Japan in 1973. They were in shock looking at us when, you know, 10 years later we had 10 players from Japan in the top 100 because we went there. If you can see it, you can be it. And they loved it. We had packed crowds every day. They were just in, like, you could tell they were curious. But it worked because we have a lot more Asians today than we ever, and that started in Japan now, of course, the Chinese and others. Uh, 
But that started because we actually went there and engaged. Now the Middle East is a different ball game, but is it? It is and it isn't because you, I don't think you mentioned why. You didn't say why. Why? Because I, I feel like exactly as you said, you, you know, by going there, sure, you can, you can maybe start to change the hearts and minds of, of some people, but are we, are we actually going to have any material effect on the laws in those countries? You know, certainly that has not happened in Qatar. And I think, you know, Saudi Arabia is a place where homosexuality is punishable by death. Mm-hmm. So why would the WTA tour go there and... I think I think I think the WTA tour would be kidding themselves if they think that they personally can have an impact on changing those sorts of laws. You know, Saudi Arabia are are in business with some of the biggest governments in the world. It's on the governments to try and change Saudi Arabia. I, I just don't think that tennis, no matter what it may say in a statement, is going to be able to have that kind of impact. And I think, you know, speaking speaking as a gay man. When you, when you, (laughs) when, you know, when I, when I hear about the fact that homosexuality is, is punishable by death in a, in a certain country, that's the sort of thing that for a lot of, a lot of my life, you know, that brought me, brought me a lot of shame for a lot of time, you know, and now to know that the WTA might, might go there. What do you think the ATP is going to go there? They're already going there, and I'm not. I'm not happy with them either. <laughs> I, I ask, it's interesting to listen to you. I didn't know you're gay, but I'm gay. Hi, yeah. <laughs> like speaks to like. It's the easiest way, you know. Like speaks to likes the easiest. Yeah. People met with us at Wimbledon, and seventy percent of the population in Saudi. I think it's the Middle East or Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure. Now I have to go back my notes. Are under thirty. My understanding from everyone I, I listen to is that these younger people want change. S- saying that, I go, well, I, I don't really know what it's like because I haven't been there. And if we could help change in those 30 and under, which is 70% of the country, would it be worth trying or not? And I don't know what the answer is, but my personality, I'm going to go find out probably (laughs) because otherwise we wouldn't have had a tour probably. We wouldn't have had all these things we have without going where I'm actually afraid to go. It's like facing your fears. I don't know, but if we, not just us, but just by going and listening, figuring out ways to have the laws change, I don't know. It's a, I don't know. All I know, I've never seen change without engagement. Things, they're not going to do anything if someone doesn't resist a little. It's like this guy was analyzing sports, and like tennis is a resistance sport. The ball's coming at you, you have to resist, resist, resist. But if you play golf and you hit the ball, it doesn't come back. It's no resistance. And I always think about that, and I think it's, I thought it was great. And I think, but if, no one ever goes to the Middle East. If, if there are no interactions, do we have a chance to change something? And I don't know what the answer is, but I know, knowing my personality, I'm going to have to go find out probably. Even, it'll, I will, 
even if it's scary, I just know. I mean, Cutter wasn't just easy peasy, just living. You don't know. You're always a little apprehensive. But they also had guards for us and different things. But, but, oh, and I did talk to a mother there. You know, I wanted to do a clinic in, in Cutter in 08. I wanted to do it for both boys and girls or all genders, whoever. And they didn't let me. Only had girls. But I talked to a mother. That changed my life because she said her daughter was left-handed and wanted her to do well or be a champion because being left-handed was still considered being sinister. She said, it's good you're here. It's good we have left-handed players. It's good that we see this because I want my daughter not to be full of shame and always being challenged. Now, this is the mother of a child, and I'm thinking, was the trip worth it? Probably just because of that conversation. And we still have a tournament there. We're still, we're still not covered totally, when we, obviously, when we play. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I have all kinds of questions. But I, I know that I don't think anything's ever changed if there's an engagement. That's, but I don't know what the answer is. And nor do I, but, um, but we, you know, we see you as our, our sort of moral compass in many ways, our sort of guiding light on this. So, so honestly, thank you for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, How just... How do you think we got LGBT laws to shift? Do you think it was because people engaged with each other and talked about it? Because what happens is people are afraid of each other until they get to know them. And then they slowly but surely realize, oh, yeah, we're just human beings. I don't know. And just ask myself, but um. I guess I would like to see, you know, if tennis goes there, I would like to see them only go there and only stay there. Because I, I agree, maybe maybe trying, you know, trying to change is an incredible principle to have, you know. But only go there and stay there if you're if you're seeing that material change, because I don't I don't think we're seeing that in. It won't happen quickly. Oh, no, but it won't happen quickly. That's where people have to be truly patient. If you look at history, like when, you, when I read it, I go, God, that was quick. And then I stop. I go, Billy, it wasn't quick if you lived it, if you live it. Like, okay, let's say when I read the history of tennis or just read the history of professional tennis from 1968. Boy, I can read that pretty quickly. <laughs> but I'm, I was there. I lived it. And I can tell you it was excruciating sometimes, 24 hours a day living it trying to, to get change and make sure I thought about we and not me. It's really important if you're going to lead. You can't be a leader if you're only thinking about yourself. You've got to have a vision. You've got to think about everyone because everybody matters. You know, just like when we started the WTA, the Europeans were getting upset with this because all the opportunities in the beginning, the early days, was in the U.S., that wasn't the vision. That was the first step of the vision. And I would tell the players from Europe, I would tell the players from South America, from South Africa, Africa, I say, you guys, this is only the first step. But the way I convinced them that it wasn't just about the U.S. is when we had our first, when we actually founded the, the day we were in the Gloucester Hotel, 60 of us. Mm -hmm. And I've been telling them this, but then it became reality. I've been telling them, don't worry, we're going to have everyone included. But when I said to them, okay, we're going to do our board of directions now, directors now, and we have to have at least one from five different continents. 
And you should see the Europeans, the South Americans, the others. You can see them exhale in the room and go, oh, she, she meant what she said. And I said, you will see. We'll go to probably Britain first, and then we will be in Europe and South America. And we'll go to, we're going to be all over the world, in Canada, you know, North America. And they had a hard time because it wasn't happening for them right then. So that's why, you know, before I'd ever get involved with anything, I think about vision. What, what would be something we could do that we actually could do, not just pie in the sky, although I, do, I like to start with pie in the sky and then work backwards. What's the reality from there? Billy Jean, I could I could listen to you talk forever. I'm getting the signal from everyone. We're going to have to wrap up here. But thank you so much, so much to think about there. Um, and yeah, yeah, we look forward to having you again on the Tennis Podcast very soon, I hope. Well, I'm really happy you're here at the Billy Jean King <laughs> Cup um, because uh, I'd just like to say one thing. The Czech players, they were all in Cancun and they all got their you-know-what here. Hunter came too. She carried her little bag because they didn't have her bags with her. She had her tennis shoes and her little bag. I, I just want to rec- just commend these players who, it was a pain for them to come here. I really admire them that they made that kind of effort for their country and for their fellow players as well. That's what, I used to do it for my fellow players and my country when I played. It was dual and I think most of my greatest relationships came from hanging out with those players. It became a very much deeper relationship and it lasted forever. And relationships are so important. But I just would, you know, all the ones who were in Cancun, it was painful to get on a plane and get here. I hope that doesn't keep happening. Uh, I appreciate them making the effort because it shows me a lot about their character. Yeah, well said. Well... When I first heard that interview this afternoon, I, I have to be honest, I I teared up a little bit and uh, I found the whole experience very, very emotional I and I found it very illuminating uh, as a conversation. It's the first time I've heard the subject of Saudi Arabia properly discussed rather than just a sort of question and an answer and then that be the end of conversation. This was a, a back and forth, a sharing of of views and ideas and thoughts and learning as as you both went, it seemed to me. And, well, on just about every level, Matt, I couldn't have felt more proud of you and um, and, and happy to hear that conversation. Um, how did you feel, Catherine? Very, very similarly, yeah. I felt emotions that I, I sort of felt like could only be summed up in GIF format. I sent a lot of... I sent a, a lot of I searched proud in in the gif search function a lot for the uh for the appropriate one uh and the internet did not let me down um but I didn't really feel like I had the words cuz um yeah I found it I found it very very emotional and I I I wish I could do better with words I mean being a podcaster first and foremost um but I don't, I'm not sure I can do them justice, really. But uh, Matt, you are amazing. And uh, my favourite thing about Billie Jean King is that she says, what do you think? And of course you want to go, well, I'm not Billie Jean King. <laughs> but then that's what makes Billie Jean King incredible, isn't it? That she she wants to know. It's that ferocious 
hunger and curiosity and um we should all we should all learn a lot from that especially where matters is important as Saudi Arabia are concerned and I don't think this is <clears throat> the time for sort of the full debate amongst ourselves you know I I have lots of thoughts and feelings about Saudi Arabia I haven't decided yet whether they've changed as a result of what Billy Jean said I want to sit on it a bit but I'm I'm I, I I'm just blown away by hearing it discussed in that way and I'm blown away by Matt. Yeah. Matt, how did you um did did it make you feel any different in the in the moment um discussing the subject of of Saudi Arabia with Billie Jean? I mean, I know we we've, we've heard her her instant reviews back in her instant views on the subject back in in July. But did it did it change anything for you? Possibly, yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, I I probably need to uh, listen back to it. I I haven't I haven't heard it since I since I was in the room doing the interview, which was which was quite an intense experience. I think my my main takeaway is just how much this issue is clearly playing on Billie Jean King's mind. You know, there's there's real there's real angst there. And I think I think it's it's important therefore that that interview is on the record because I think a lot of a lot of what's been on the record so far has been, you know, Billie Jean King supports engaging with Saudi Arabia. And that as a headline does not tell the full story, does not tell the the amount of space this is taking up in sort of Billie Jean King's head and and the and the different ways that she can you know sort of views this subject and it isn't a straightforward you know we need to be going to Saudi Arabia it, it, it's a lot more complex than that and I think Billie Jean King put forward a, a very interesting case of of maybe how and why tennis could go there I think I I think I still fall down on the side of of tennis shouldn't be going there. Um, but I don't think you can listen to that interview and and come away from it feeling like anyone really has all the answers. You know, it is it is difficult. It is it is complex. It's certainly a lot more complex than just a headline. And I just appreciated Billy Jean King's time, you know, where she's at this event doing appearances and giving her time to to literally everyone you know everyone wants a piece of Billie Jean King at this event we were we were lucky to get the time that we did with her and and um I'm just very grateful that that she spoke so openly and 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 sort of so so sort of kindly about the subject with me and um yeah I just I just really appreciated that just as a, as a final thought, both on the interview and the week generally, Matt, she was touching on her perspective on what she's seen, what she's experienced. She did allude quite pointedly, I felt at the end, to the players who had made the journey to Can from Cancun to Seville. The, in her sort of view, absurdity of playing playoff matches. We we saw Britain today. Um, coming through uh, in their match against Sweden in the qualifying to get into the 
the next stage of, of qualifying next April to try to get to this final stage a year from now and them, them taking place at the same time. And in Britain, certainly, that feeling like that was the bigger event because it was on the BBC Sport website because it was Britain and, you know, totally overshadowing the finals. And it was really great to hear her on the record like that, I felt, to really say what she felt about it. Do you come away from the event generally feeling more hopeful than a year ago? Do you think progress has been made in the event? And, and and generally speaking, how do you think it's gone? I think this has been the best Billie Jean King Cup finals that I've been to. And I've I've been to all three now in in Prague, Glasgow and Seville. This was the best in terms of the look of it, the production of it, the show of it. I think I think that was all a lot better. The atmosphere inside the arena today for the final was fantastic. It was really, really good. Um, I think that's an important message about it needs time. You know, it really does. And every year they're making tweaks and the people working on this event care about this event and they and they want to make it as good as they possibly can they are they are listening to the feedback and they are doing what they can each year to try and make it that little bit better and they know that there are format tweaks that that need to be made um i do still come away with the sense that and maybe i'll feel this way after the davis cup finals as well that as on the one hand, as cool as it is to have all these teams together in this World Cup format, I don't know if it will ever be better than than the previous format, you know, it, where it was home and away for every tie. And I, I increasingly think that what's more important is that, as Billie Jean King said, all the tours and all, all of tennis works together and, you know, maybe there's room created in the calendar for more home and away ties because that is what makes this event so special. And, you know, there were there were some really good moments at this tournament, for sure. We had a couple of good deciding doubles, as I said, the final today. But, you know, there were some there were some bad moments, too. And, yeah, I. I I do think the home and away aspect is so important and we've just got so many ties now that are played on a neutral venue and it's never going to be as as grand and as spectacular as as those old ties. So I absolutely want to give it time. Uh, I think it deserves time. But there is this this nagging sense in the back of my mind that it's going to be very, very difficult to create an event that is as sort of special and as moving as those home and away ties of the past. But if if anyone can do it, I do think it is the team and the and the minds that are behind this event and and with Billy Jean King's backing as well. Um those people are the people. So, you know, we need to give it time. It has been the best one yet, but I think the jury's still out on this on this format generally. Well one thing we know for sure, and you can have heard that by the interview you listen to Billie Jean King and her team they listen they want mm. they are ravenous for for feedback information for tweaking for changing for improving that's 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 what it's all about for them really and so yeah 
let's hope for the best because it, it, there's there's so much there you want it to be and 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 I certainly hope that it can fulfill it's it's brief really the brief that Billie Jean King herself has for that event and and the, the vision uh, for ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. For it. Catherine, ATP finals today started in Turin. Um, Matches-wise, we had Yannick Sinner beating Stefano Tsitsipas comfortably we had Novak Djokovic beating Holger Rune in the end in a comfortable third set but anything but a comfortable match overall it was it was really good actually that that for for two sets what did you come away thinking thinking and feeling throughout the day such different feelings from the two matches I mean Sinner Sinner Sitsipas was four, a four and four victory for Sinner one break in each set that sounds fairly close doesn't it it was not close it did not feel close at all I didn't feel a single moment of jeopardy in this match there were occasional moments where Sitsipas turned it on but baseline exchanges rally ball to rally ball forehand backhand Sinner had him Sinner was a class apart and uh, Sitsipas is a tough watch at the moment, a really tough watch. He looks so jaded and so forlorn out there. He 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 looks pale, um, and I don't know. Just seeing him amongst this sea of men younger than him um, is quite alarming, actually. Just all of that sparkle of youth. And I know he's still young. I don't mean he's not young anymore. I mean that newness, I suppose, rather than youth. It's all gone. All of that luster is gone. Everything he was 
trying to work on with Mark Philippoussis the the ways to try and embellish embellish his game to protect that weaker wing, the backhand. It's all gone. That backhand is so exposed, and it, it incredible clang coming up. But it's just, the the vantage point we have from from our studio position here in Turin is so fantastic for for watching tennis, for seeing the flight of the ball, for getting a sense of the match. It makes me realise just how useless my takes are when I watch on the TV. I'm like, you don't know anything. Um, but Sinner in the afternoon session and both Djokovic and Runa in the evening session, they have the same power off both wings. Okay, you know, Runa's backhand might be a bit better than his forehand. I'm not sure there's much difference with Djokovic anymore. It used to be the backhand that was talked about, but that forehand has beefed up so much. Sinner, there's pretty much no difference off those wings. You can't have a weak wing anymore from the baseline in tennis, but in, in particular in men's tennis, I think, because it's just so baseline sort of ping pong tennis dominant and Sitsapas has this glaringly weaker wing um that can just be picked upon and I know it must be tough for a player as talented as him to to have to make changes to his game like like Mark Philippoussis was trying to add and I know that takes would take a lot of faith and investment of time and energy that he obviously decided in the end he wasn't prepared to commit to or didn't need to commit to but he looks like he's gone backwards to me whereas Sinner I know it's not sexy improvement is it he's not just come out of nowhere and reached a Grand Slam final it's all ticking off the milestones and steady incremental improvement but he will get there in the end, Yannick Sinner, he is so good. He just looks so rock solid on on both wins. And I do uh, wings, and I, I do I do still think he needs to to add net game and develop those instincts of when to come to the net. And perhaps it'll never be instinctive the way it is for Alcaraz. I don't think it will be instinctive, but. I do I do think he will develop that. I, I back him to to get there. I think I think he'll reach a slam final next year. I do. And I think Gotta say. I think Sina Djokovic will be fascinating. They've never played on a hard court before. Hmm. But and that'll be next, won't it? Be- that'll be next. But Novak Djokovic has only lost once on a hard court this year, and that was in in Dubai to Daniel Medvedev. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm still backing Djokovic. Um, yeah. It was for two sets. It was awesome tennis between Djokovic and Runa. So good. Some of the best tennis I've seen this year. I think it's a real shame how that match ended. That third set wasn't what I was expecting and it wasn't what the previous two sets deserved as a conclusion. Um Runa was cramping, I think. Not in a dramatic, is he going to be able to finish the match way, but in a, wow, he's definitely a diminished physical force way, which is, it's a worry. It's not the problem it once was for Runa, but it's 
definitely not gone. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's a worry for Runa. But the tennis, oh, seeing him go toe-to-toe with Djokovic from the baseline the way he does and back himself is is something to feast your eyes upon. It was I loved it. Yeah, he can really hold his own, can't he? And, and he can hurt Djokovic too. He's got proper power um, from from a, a, a kind of similar swing as the as the rally ball. You know, you don't you don't see him suddenly look like his arms are flailing and he's out of control trying to slap the ball in a in a an unsustainable or unrepeatable way. It feels like actually this is this could be quite regular, really, from him. Um, but but you're right. I mean that is. That is not an isolated incident, that cramping in the third set. We've seen so much of it, and he's got to figure that out somehow because you can't beat guy you can't beat Djokovic when it really matters if if your body's gonna break down like that. But I mean Djokovic is so it's no it's no revelation, is it? But he's it's almost like he's getting better at just winning tennis winning tennis matches however he needs to. His management of tennis matches. Yeah, and you can't hand hand that mental gift to Djokovic to to know. I mean, Djokovic is the master of well, exactly as you've just said, managing matches and outlasting people. So if he knows all I've got to do is just hang in here, and you will you will fade. Game over, absolute game over. He is the all time master at weathering purple patches. He's not bothered by your mm. top level. He wants to know what your eight out of ten is, and he knows that his is better. That's that's a very good way of putting it, Matt. I, I I'd just like to ask whether you feel that is the most positive you've ever heard Catherine Whitaker talking about Yannick Sinner. Yes, I was thinking the same actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, okay, you might be right, but I think I think well, what I felt the need to do is to sort of correct some of the some of the the prematurity about expectations for Yannick Sinner. I, I don't think I've ever said that I don't think he'll get there. I just never really felt like he would win a slam this year when people have been predicting him to win slams this year. I've never felt like that. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I still on balance, don't think he'll win one next year. I think he'll reach a Grand Slam final next year. I realise I'm just copying Pam Shriver's predictions here, but <laughs> she's Pam Shriver. Why wouldn't you? Um, no bad thing. But I absolutely think he will get there. And I don't think I've ever said that he wouldn't. I've perhaps been less totally sure of it than I am right now, having just watched him up close. But I, I've always thought that he would get there I just have seen people going so early on him and I just have never felt like he's that kind of guy or that kind of player he's so methodical and sensible um and that's fine that's absolutely fine it sounds like you enjoyed his tennis today like and again I know that's I know that's simplistic to say that that you don't enjoy Yannick Sinner's tennis but that Perhaps there has been something missing for you a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Look, maybe I don't think I'm ever going to. Maybe be... the Turin of it all helps as well. Yeah, Yannick Sinner in Italy is my favourite Yannick Sinner by far. Yeah, um, yeah, it it helps. It wasn't quite Yannick Sinner that we saw in those two 
matches that he played here last year when he came in as an alternate and it was all totally playing with that house money and mm. fighting against the odds because he only had two matches to, with which to qualify and you know that was really fun it really took me aback at the time it wasn't quite like that today he was playing like a guy that thought he could maybe thinks he can maybe win this tournament if he manages manages things right so yeah look I don't think I'm ever going to feel the way about him that I have felt about Leila Fernandez this week. He doesn't, he does just doesn't make me feel those things, but I certainly appreciate his tennis and he makes me feel more in Italy than anywhere else in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play Djokovic and generally just trying to force his way into the very top level conversation and, and see how it stacks up, you know. Yeah, and just finally on Djokovic, he only needed one win uh, at the tournament to guarantee year-end number one. So on on Monday, he will be a guaranteed year-end number one, and that will be for an eighth time, <laughs> which I mean, is just, bananas. Wow, extraordinary, isn't it? Absolutely bananas, um, and I, yeah. And I, th- I think I think the other week he won his 40th Masters. Yeah. 1,000 events. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> what sort of stat is That's that? That's it. We're, like, we're so focused on slam numbers these days, aren't we? Because slams have become so big. But Djokovic's numbers in everything else are, are so wild and, and so much better than everyone else's as well. Like It's not like he's... It's grotesque. Yeah, like he's been prioritising slams for quite a few years now, it seems, and yet... He still keeps racking up the Masters 1000 titles and, and managing to play enough to to stay as as the world number one. It, it, it is extraordinary. It sure is. Um, elsewhere, we had uh, a couple of tournaments in Sofia and Metz. They were run both by French players. Adrian Manorino won Sofia, beating Jack Draper 7-6-2-6-6-3. But Draper's progress continues. And frankly, Manorino's does as well. I mean, he's basically having the best year of his career, isn't he? And Three it's, titles. It's, it's, it's a fantastic... Yeah, I mean, good on him. You know, that's a great achievement. Um, and Ugo Umber won in Mets, beating Alexander Shevchenko in the final. So I would say that is about enough for this edition of the Tennis Podcast. Uh, Catherine Whitaker's got to get to bed and go and present some more live telly on Amazon Prime Video tomorrow from the ATV final. She's been doing so expertly today. And uh, Matt... Has got to go to plane in about seven hours. <laughs> Something well, to, like that. He's got to check out on the app in about four hours. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Definitely think you should do. <laughs> I, I worry about what will happen if you don't do that, Matt. Yeah, I'm genuinely <laughs> concerned. I might, I might set an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Okay, well, let me see if I can do the end of uh, podcast business without uh, without Catherine having to help me. As long uh, as you we've, say we've the got mass... executive producers in the right order, I will. I'll be happy, David. I, I might try and get three beers, Matt, to say them. Uh, <laughs> what I do know is we've got uh, mascots. I've got Maisie. Catherine's got Xenia. Yes, is that right? And Matt's got who is it? Darwin. Ooh, you can't have forgotten Darwin, David. Darwin. Darwin's well, what I'm trying to forget David. Darwin after Darwin <laughs> dumped me from last year. Now I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm bigger than that. Um, we've also got David on an Onsjabur-esque revenge tour. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm dominated as a result. <laughs> Do it again. Um, and uh, I, yeah, what, what else? What else have we got to talk about? Executive producers, who are Matt, Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else? What else do we do? Shout outs? You've well, yes. forgotten both Billie Jean and Billie Jean King, which is which is a blow. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought Billie Jean King had had enough airtime in this podcast. But anyway, you're right. Uh, Billie Jean and Alana Klaas are the sponsors of Billie Jean the Dog. And uh, yeah, shout outs, Matt. Shout outs for Catherine Gillespie. So right, Catherine. Catherine's. I know, Hello, Catherine... Catherine. Catherine with a K, she says, same church, different pew, I know. My favourite tennis player is Katerina Siniakova, which actually brings me on. I know we don't do news during the shout-out section, but there was some news from the Billie Jean King Cup. It is, isn't it? I mean, I've got nothing bad to say about Katerina Siniakova, but your favourite player? Mm. (laughs) Oh, I quite... I like it when somebody has a, a yeah, surprising player favourite. Mm. Wow. Do, do we know? Do we know why? It's Katharina Sniarko. Uh, Catherine says she is everything I'm not on a tennis court. I could only dream of volleying ten percent as well as she can. Tell oh, that to Barbora Krychikova. Well, yeah, yeah. So that's the news. That... Katarina Sinyakova and Barbara Kwiatkowska are no more. That was revealed. Do we in... know who's done the dumping. Well, interestingly, it is Sinyakova who has done the dumping. Is it? Yeah, she she wants a new direction, and apparently they've been talking about it for some time. Kwiatkowska is, you know, I, I don't think you know is accepting, of course, but I don't think she would be doing it. If she had her way. Wow. It's particularly interesting because it's the Olympics next year. And they have they have said that they might just reunite for that. But yeah, they're not gonna be they're not gonna be playing regularly together on the tour anymore. And that is Siniarkova's decision. Goodness me. Well the body language wasn't um, great, was it, yesterday? But still I'm shook. No. Mm. No, it was, it was it wasn't good. Um, I am reminded of the words of Larry Stefanki, the great coach, when told by Marcelo Rios that he wanted to go in a different direction, and Larry said, "You're number one in the world. The only direction you're going to go from there is down." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we'll 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 see how that goes. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, thank you, Catherine. Um, more shout-outs, Matt. We have John. Mapilli and Robert Prezioso in Massachusetts. Hello, John and Robert. Right, John. Um, John McEnroe. And Robert McNichol, the Wimbledon <laughs> well, going to be thrilled. librarian. <laughs> John and Robert say, interesting tidbit. We have watched two Rafael Nadal matches in person and he ended up losing both. His loss to Nicolas Almagro in Barcelona 2014 and his loss to Fabio Fanini at the 2015 US Open from two sets up. We would love to see Nadal play on his farewell tour in 2024, but he may not want us in the stands. <laughs> good good colour. Hmm. Um, I would oh, be very happy chances. just to see Rafa. Rafael Nadal on a farewell tour. I, I hope it ends up happening. Uh, is, is that it for shout-outs, Matt, or have we got any more? Thank you very much to John and Robert. No, we are halfway through. We also, oh, okay. we also have Joan Bray in Missouri. 
Right, Joan. Joan says, my 13-year-old beagle, Sadie, curls up on the couch any time I watch tennis. Oh, that's what you want from a dog, isn't it? Does Sadie look sort of resentful? Because <laughs> Billy Jean's vibe. <laughs> I will do this, <laughs> but I'd rather we were in bed. You have to do a lot of making up. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Okay, Matt. Thank you, Joan. Well, thank you Joan. so much, Joan. Yeah. I'm not sure there are. Can't know. think of any Jones. We'll mm. have to consult Mary Carrillo. <laughs> Joni, are there any Jones? Joni Rochette. That's a figure skater. It's not the right name and it's not the right sport. Any more for any more, Sorry, Matt. Joan. <laughs> Final shout out is for James Meredith. We know James. Hey. Hey, yeah. we know James. All right, James. Hello, James. Long-time supporter and listener of the Tennis Podcast. And, uh, yeah, like James Blake and uh, just as reliable. Thank you, James Meredith. Thank All right, you, then, folks, I think it's bedtime. Yeah, thank you, James, and thank you, everybody, for listening to us all week long. We've had a, I've had a lovely time chatting about the Billie Jean King Cup with you, and uh, Matt's got that very happy, slightly pissed glow, and <laughs> he looks like he's had an excellent week. Uh-huh. True, Matt? <laughs> Good. Marvellous. Okay. Well, everybody gets to bed. Um, thank you for your company all week long. Safe travels, Matt. Good good week, Catherine. Keep us in touch. And we'll be back uh, towards the end of this week, won't we, after the group stages of the ATP finals. Um, and, yeah, pods will be coming your way thick and fast for the Davis Cup finals as well when Matt will be in Malaga. Uh, make sure you are on our newsletter list. Sign up to that if you haven't already. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Become a friend of the Tennis Podcast if you're not already. That's the way... You can listen to lots and lots of bonus podcasts from us. We've got more than 50 up there, all editions of Tennis Relived from the past couple of years, Q&As with us and Grand Slam review shows with voice notes from special guests. Um, Yeah, become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. It helps us to do what we do and we love to do it. We'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 